As the prophet Isaiah said of old, we live in a land of deep darkness, and so we need much this day, O light of the world, for you to shine into our darkness and illumine what we need for this particular day and time. May the word be heard amidst the many words, and to you be glory now and forever. Amen. Many years ago, I was pastor of a startup church in Texas. I found myself hitting a kind of a hard stretch, a time where I ran out of energy and ran out of joy and had a mentor, an older person, say to me, you need to take a retreat. You need to get away and pray and think. He recommended that I go to a a retreat center in Kennedy County, Kentucky, called Leb Shomea, which is Hebrew for the listening heart. Kennedy County was six or seven hours from where I lived. It is a county with 2,000 square miles and a population of 463. I'm not making that up. It was desolate. But in the middle of this enormous Kennedy ranch was the old ranch house that had been converted into a retreat center. What I didn't know when I signed up for this five-day retreat was that it was a place of total silence. Can you picture me in a place of total silence? Not just periods of silence, not just a moment of silence, but always. We were not to greet each other when we passed in the hallways. We were not to speak at meals. Here I am. My mother said I was vaccinated with a phonograph needle on my birth. I'm just a person who talks. And so when the retreat leader said to me, there is a provision every day, if you'd like, for you to speak with a spiritual director, I said, sign me up, please. Her name was Sister Jean Springer. I'd never met her. I've never seen her again. But for some reason, on that very first day, I poured out my heart. I talked about my church and the challenges it faced. I talked about Baptists at that particular time, and we were in the midst of this this Baptist war. I talked about being called to be this progressive Christian who had a different vision of the gospel, and yet finding myself in this place where it couldn't really be expressed. I talked about family challenges. I talked, I talked, and I talked. When finally I stopped talking... There was a few moments of silence before Sister Jean said to me, as I listen to you, Joe, it feels to me that the one thing you need is to let God love you. Oh, I said, that's a really good angle. I said, that's, that's an interesting concept for me to study while I'm here. No, she said, that's not what I meant. What I meant was, you need to let God love you. I heard you, I said. I, I'm, could you provide a book, maybe recommend a book that's in the library that I could find and read on letting God love? She said, no. She took my face in her hands and stopped me and said, I'm saying you, Joe, need to let God love you. To not just talk about it, study about it, but to experience it. I left our meeting and went back to the little hermitage they had assigned to me. A bed and a chair and a bathroom. 
I lay down on the bed and I didn't know what to think about all this, but I just let my life go. And I found myself feeling caught and enveloped. I began to cry. I'm not ashamed to say I began to cry and I fell asleep crying. It was the middle of the afternoon and I don't sleep a lot of hours. I don't sleep a lot of hours in a row, but I slept through the dinner bell. I slept through the vespers bell. I slept through the early morning call to prayer bell, and I slept through the breakfast bell. And some way, sometime mid-morning, I woke up and I felt born again, again. I felt like my life had been reoriented, redirected. I felt a newness and a lightness and a hope and a joy, and I was born again. It happened really kind of by accident, or maybe more appropriately, it happened as a gift. For you see, I wanted, I wanted to analyze God's love. I wanted to control God's love rather than living in, trusting in, experiencing in me God's transforming love. To let God love me. You see, there's a part of all of us that I think wonders whether it's real and wonders whether we're worthy of that kind of love. And what I needed to hear was that before all of the other messages that bombard me and you every single day by the culture we live in, the places we work, where we go to school, the friends we have, the families that we're raised in, that say essentially that you're not good enough, that you need to compete, that you need to be afraid, you need to be guilty and be ashamed that before any of those messages, there is this first primal message that says that you and I are loved and valued by God. That before the writer wrote Genesis chapter 3, telling about the fall of humanity, the writer wrote about Genesis 1, which said, humanity is very good. Let God love you. How do you get there? The prodigal son got there. And like me, it came not because he was smarter than his older brother. Not because somehow he deduced and understood the mystery of the father's love for him. Rather, it came as a gift. It came as a complete gift. He was planning another course of action. You got to hear him rehearse it. Think it, rehearse it, and say it. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like a hired hand. He was concocting his way to just survive. But in the process of trying to survive, he receives this miracle. He looks up. 
and sees the father running in love toward him, arms wide open to hug and kiss him and to announce who he really was. Have you ever wondered what it would feel like to have been the prodigal son? To have expected at best to be hired on as a servant only to be welcomed as the beloved? Have you ever experienced that kind of loving acceptance for who you are? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, to feel that primal kind of Good goodness and okayness that is the baseline for how you and I are being invited to live. The older brother, God bless him, he works in the field and we're grateful for those who work and do the faithful work day in and day out. But in his working, something got corrupted Somehow he began to translate his work and allowed it to redefine his relationship with the father and his place in the family. Rather than it being a gift, this love that welcomes all, he began to feel like he earned his spot, that he deserved his title, that he had made his place in the family by virtue of his work. He He didn't understand that the first order of being in this family of God is all about grace. It's nothing we do to earn or deserve. It's it's all about grace. Son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours, the father says. But he doesn't like this. He doesn't like grace. And do I need to tell you that there's a lot of older brothers out there, male and female? There are a lot of us who really, at the bottom of our hearts, don't like grace. We would prefer to earn and deserve what we're given. And we tend to think that those like the younger brother This mom always liked you best, annoying, wayward younger brother don't really deserve to be loved as they are. To the older brother, grace sounds like just go and do whatever you want. There are no consequences when that's the last thing it says. Grace says you're loved, therefore live in love. Bear my love. The older brother can't get it. He won't go to the grace party. He stands out in the field and refuses this party of welcome and gratitude, this party of inclusion and invitation. He can't go in. He doesn't believe in it. The tragedy is, for this young older brother and for every one of us here today, there is an invitation that's been waiting for you since the day you were born to claim who you are as a child of God and to begin to live into and out of that great mystery that you're loved. 
To me, this is the most important truth of all this religious stuff that we do. All these rituals we go about, all this rhythm of gathering on the first day of the week, this is what it's all about, experiencing God's transforming love. It is why Jesus Christ came into the world, not just so we'll feel good, but as a transforming truth that rearranges our hearts and reforms our values and revives our spirits and calls us to operate out of this radically different starting point. What would it be like for you and me to begin to live out of the great mystery that we're already loved, we're already blessed, We're already valued. Our tank is already full. Therefore, go out there and live as ambassadors of this love. It changes everything. The sad thing is, even though it changes everything, I forget. Do you forget? I've been diagnosed recently. I have a a disorder called SAD, Spiritual Attention Deficit Disorder. I forget. It just slips away like a dream, and I revert to the dominant view that says I have to earn or have a contest in order to, to be enough. And in fact, there's only so much love to go around. That's the dominant message. This is why I think it's so vitally important that we gather. Whether we feel like it or not on Sunday after Sunday. Why? Because the church, I think, is the only place where we're reminded of the word that Jesus came to give us. That we're all included in God's family. That the only one who doesn't qualify is the one who disqualifies herself or himself like the older brother that's why i want our bible study classes to focus and ask ourselves on a regular basis just as we do our prayer lists how are you doing in living out of this love to be accountable to each other and asking how are you doing in this life of grace Are you recognizing yourself as beloved? Are you living this life of liberation? Can you see how this would transform what we do in and around Highland? Our youth ministry, our young adult ministry, our children's ministry, our missions, our work. If we operated from how we're bearing this grace out into the world, how are we building on God's bottomless, transforming Love. And so you and I are being invited to lean into God's transforming love. I try to do this every morning, not long after I wake up. I've got this great chair in my study. I paid $5 for it 17 years ago at a yard sale at the Eastern Star Home up the road. Terry's really fond of it, as as you can imagine. It's a monogahide chair, and I have felt guilty in the past about all the monogas that were killed to 
to make this chair, but still it's my, my abiding chair. It's where I sit and where sometimes, not always, but sometimes the mystery of grace, of being beloved and blessed, it creeps up on me and interrupts my usual anxiety, my work ethic, my lists, my monkey mind that goes here and there, and I'm just enveloped like I was those years ago at Leib Shomea. And I can abide for just a moment, and for just that moment, I feel like Simon Peter, who was invited to walk on the water, and I'm there. I'm liberated and I'm loved and I'm walking on the water and I realize that if I could just live out of this mystery and walk in this newness of life, that it would change everything about how I see my life, how I act and react to every situation, every surprise that comes my way, how I could defy the world's gravity that tries to pull me down and I could walk on the water with Jesus. I got to tell you, I've taken some steps now and then in this direction. And it's the most wonderful thing in the world. It's what I want for us together. That we build on this transforming love together. Let's not be, let's not be like the poor young man who was trying to get to America back in the days when transatlantic travel happened by way of ship, a weeks-long ship journey across the ocean. The young man bought his ticket. It took practically all of his money. And so to prepare for this long journey across the ocean, he filled his suitcases with food for the journey. But after about a week A lot of the food was either gone or was beginning to go bad. And he was hungry. To make matters worse, three times a day, he watched all the other passengers make their way down to the ship's dining room and enjoy these wonderful meals. So finally he went to the captain and said, Is there some work I could do in exchange for perhaps even a meal a day? The captain looked at him quizzically and said, Let me see your ticket. The young man produced the ticket, handed it to the captain, who looked at it and said, Son, all the meals are paid for. It's all all yours. It's all ours. The transforming love of God is included in our journey. And the day we discover this, Everything changes. Let's pray together. We gather and sing about love, preach about love, read the texts about love. May we this day experience the depth of love and may we welcome the change 
as we journey with you in Jesus' name. Amen.